everyone. Welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I am the author of the film review website, quipster.net. I invite you to check out over 4,000 of my written reviews you can read anytime at quipster.net. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R dot net. Today I'm going to be looking at the latest film from Disney. It's a fantasy adventure called A Wrinkle in Time. It's a PG-rated film for thematic elements and some peril. The runtime is an hour and 49 minutes. The main star is Storm Reed, with supporting roles going to Levi Miller, Oprah Winfrey, Reese Witherspoon, Chris Pine, Gugu Mbatha-Raw, Mindy Kaling, Derek McCabe, and quite a few other appearances from well-known people. The director is Ava DuVernay, and the screenplay is credited to Jennifer Lee and Jeff Stockwell. This is a film that has been really splitting a lot of people out there in terms of their reactions. Some people really think it's a terrible movie. Some people think it's a great movie. And a lot of people, like myself, as you'll hear, have a lot of feelings that kind of lean one way or the other, depending on what we're talking about in terms of the movie. Ava DuVernay is a promising director. She's actually directed Selma, quite a critically acclaimed movie at the time. I was not as high on it as other critics, but nevertheless, it does have quite a strong following. I was much more into 13th, her documentary. I thought that was one of the best films of a couple of years ago. But she is a thoughtful filmmaker and certainly has a lot of ideas, and so very much intrigued into seeing what she has in store for her first big budget effort here. She's working with Disney, and she offers up a visual extravaganza that is meant for the entire family. This, of course, if you know A Wrinkle in Time, you know that this is an adaptation of the Newbery Medal Award-winning book of the same name that was written by Madeline Langle, originally published back in 1962. So you heard me run down the list of stars that are in this movie, but... You wouldn't think so, but buried under the billing, under a lot of those big-name stars, like Oprah Winfrey and Reese Witherspoon, Chris Pine, etc., Storm Reid is really the lead performer. She's playing a nerdy young teen named Meg. Meg is struggling to find her own place in school with peers who would rather pick on her instead of understanding her. Meg happens to be the daughter of a scientist named Dr. Alex Murray, who's played by Chris Pine. Murray's an astrophysicist who also has trouble with being accepted by his peers for his wild theories on using one's mind in order to travel to distant planets. And he ends up going missing for four years and that leaves his family wondering if he will ever return. And, and they've been wondering a lot less and less as time goes by, growing ever closer to accepting that her father might actually be a lost cause. The academically struggling Meg finds validation for her hope when she's visited by a mysterious woman with the odd name of Mrs. What's-It, who suggests that her father's work on traversing dimensions was indeed legitimate and offers the notion that the Tesseract that he had been studying is real. Not only that, but that Dr. Murray is indeed still alive. And Mrs. What's-It, along with her other two cronies, Mrs. Who and Mrs. Witch played by Mindy Kaling and Oprah Winfrey, respectively. They want Meg to come and join them, off on a series of extra-dimensional places to find where her father has journeyed, along with Meg's younger brother, Charles Wallace, and her, a dreamy classmate, Calvin, who has a crush on Meg. They proceed on their perilous quest to these new worlds, encountering exotic and alien beings, 
hoping to find dear old dad before the dreaded and expanding dark energy known as the it consumes everything that they hold dear. Now, throughout this journey, the children learn valuable life lessons such as how they're absolutely special beings in the universe and that being themselves is better than conforming to the pack and that the love of those around them is infinitely more important than anything else in that universe. All great things and at its best, A Wrinkle in Time is able to evoke those themes of individuality and familial bonds in a way that is compelling and occasionally emotionally stirring as well. Unfortunately, as well-meaning as the film's themes may be, the story itself underneath those themes struggles for some authenticity and conviction. It's unable to escape the shackles of trying to be a spectacle film above all else. It pushes forward an attempt to dish out a cosmic odyssey that struggles to retain a personal core for its main characters underneath the unconvincing CG environs and some rather annoying larger-than-life characters that these earthly children encounter along the way. Ava DuVernay, she's working with a script from Jennifer Lee and Jeff Stockwell. She makes an attempt to set things up through a prolonged introduction to Meg and her family in the first half of this film. She explores their bonds as well as Meg's own individual struggles, particularly with a mean girl at school, Veronica. These scenes are reminiscent of traditional Disney fare. And perhaps it's novel in some way because it's rare that Hollywood embraces an African-American heroine and interracial relationships. You don't see those as often as you probably should, at least not as often as you would in real life. But I think that here the filmmaking is a little bit off because I don't think that they quite do a good job in terms of contrasting the mundaneness of normal life as compared to the rip-roaring extraterrestrial fantasy that permeates much of the second half of this film. It all seems kind of a fantasy from beginning to end, and I think it's to its detriment. Now, some might compare the basic plot of A Wrinkle in Time to the never-ending story, perhaps in part because there's this Falcor-like ride on a mythical being that takes place through a big sequence in this film. And in another big part of it, there's some comparisons that you could make between the Wrinkle in Time's The It and the never-ending stories The Nothing. They might sound like different things, but they end up being pretty much the same from a plot standpoint. This amorphous and cancerous cloud that threatens to encompass everything good in its pocket of the universe and, and perhaps even spread beyond. It's hard to slight this film for the similarities to The NeverEnding Story because The NeverEnding Story came out much later in book form than A Wrinkle in Time when it was first published. And in fact, A Wrinkle in Time may be a main influence as to why The NeverEnding Story was written the way it was. Now, someone else long before this movie had ever been conceived had noticed the similarities. A TV production of A Wrinkle in Time that came out about 15 years ago, is now packaged with the DVD release of The NeverEnding Story 3 in a DVD 2-pack from Miramax, if you're ever seeking that out. The home sequences, the ones that are there on Earth, feel a little bit too far removed from reality still, residing firmly into typically homogenized and orderly Disney trappings that are nice and comforting and yet distancing to our ability to believe Meg's family, her home, her school, her situation in life isn't wholly processed for quick and easy digestion in that Disney way. 
Soundtrack selections are predominantly pop-driven. You'd expect that from a Disney film, but there is some maturity shown, and obviously DuVernay probably leaves her stamp there because she includes a sophisticated soul act like Sade during a key moment in the reprise for the end credits of that song. So kind of a curveball there. The otherworldly scenes try to be eye-popping and wildly colorful, and there's some ingenuity to some of the conceptual design work, and yet the effects work is also, for me, a liability because it often looks very cartoony and rubbery and murky, and the lighting is really bad during some of the scenes. And even when there are CG elements that are bright and colorful, it looks obviously made on computers in most details rather than something you might find in reality. And if we can't buy the environs, are real and the characters within those environs seem overly idealized and without much depth, there really isn't much here to root into from a story standpoint to carry us all of the way through without giving the film every benefit of the doubt along the way. As the children are whisked from place to place, including a prolonged flight sequences that I mentioned, we should feel awe, we should feel a sense of fun, we should feel adventure, and yet their motivations, their observations make little sense in those smaller moments. And the grander themes of the film, while something to champion independently of the story, they're pushed aside for prolonged spells in order to provide sequences of action and adventure that distract from more so than they enhance. There are shortcuts here that get taken in order to check every box necessary for this adventure. That further removes the film from the kind of groundedness that I think is needed for us to identify with what's going on and for us to also learn those life lessons in a fashion that doesn't feel shoehorned into the narrative from time to time so that we can learn something by the end of it. And even if the supporting roles, you know, they are celebrity heavy. You have Oprah Winfrey, Mindy Kaling, Reese Witherspoon, Zach Galifianakis, Michael Pena. All of them are playing overly flashy, over the top, in some persistently distracting roles. Nevertheless, I do think A Wrinkle in Time does have nice actors to tout. It is an especially fine performance from Storm Reid as the lead. I think that that impresses the most among a cast of top-flight comedians and Oscar-winning actresses. And if the story works at all, I think it's due to our ability to identify with Meg's story arc. So Storm Reid's performance should be considered absolutely critical to one's enjoyment of the film overall and if there's anything I can praise the film on it is for that performance. And speaking of performances, although his performance doesn't require as much as Storm Reed's, Derek McCabe who plays Meg's fearless younger brother Charles Wallace, he's likely going to be seen as a delight among many who partake of this film. He's as cute as a button and very appealing in that way. My daughter, my six-year-old daughter, thought he was the cutest thing. So it's kind of a surprise when things turn dark and it's <laughs> how unnerving it is to observe Charles Wallace's personality change significantly, encroaching into territory that kind of reminded me of the toddler-turned-psycho at the end of Pet Cemetery, although this is really a PG-rated version of that character. The first half, I feel, is very uneven. The second half breathes a little bit easier than the first, and I think that's partially due to the frequent changes in vistas, and partially because we also get less distraction, less jokiness in the climax through Meg's quest to find her father, and we get those themes, those familial bonds, and also some intrigue as to where the story's going to go at that point. So I do think that that second half works better. Maybe it's a little bit truncated. Maybe they should have offered more 
of the exploration and a little bit less of the setup. And perhaps that balance would have ended up making this a good film because as long as the film stays close to its theme of family, it finds a groove. Yet, I think DuVernay and company want to make this a mind-warping and consummately exhilarating intergalactic adventure to wow us in our seats or to take us away to another time and space. And it ends up floundering to inspire us to want to explore beyond our current existence because it doesn't seem real. And that disconnection with reality means that the themes of the film don't really hit as hard as it would if we really bought into these characters, if we really bought into the story, if we really bought into those situations to compel us and for us to connect with it. So perhaps if the film were more about those characters and less about the ride those characters take, some of the many wrinkles that are within this story could have been ironed out for a smoother entertainment overall. I have a lot of mixed feelings when it comes to a wrinkle in time. I like some aspects. I really didn't like some aspects. So all in all, it's really not a film that I can wholeheartedly recommend, although I do think that some people will find this entertaining if they're willing to overlook some of those things that I personally think are some of the film's weaknesses. So I'm going to give the film two and a half stars out of four. Two and a half stars on my scale means that I feel like this is a film that had the goods, it had the tools, it had the talent to be actually a good film. Certainly you had all of the acting talent you could want. You have a really good director at the helm. You got a lot of money behind it with Disney. It never really sustains a prolonged groove for long enough for us to get really rooted into what's going on. It has a lot of those ideas, but somehow the balance is not quite there between the spectacle movie and the interpersonal story of a girl maturing and also finding out what's important in life. It gets kind of lost along the way. Now, obviously, everybody's going to have their own opinion on this movie. And if you've seen A Wrinkle in Time, I'd love to hear what you have to say. You can write to me. You can find my contact information at my website. You can go to quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R. And let me know what you think of A Wrinkle in Time. I'd love to hear about that. And if you have any other observations I haven't made. And don't forget, I also do a, another podcast covering films of the 1980s. Speaking of a never-ending story, I'm probably going to get into that fairly soon. Especially since right now I'm into some of those fantasy films of the 1980s I just recently covered the animated film The Last Unicorn and speaking of Last Unicorns I'm also going to be reviewing Ridley Scott's Legend and that's one of Tom Cruise's early films so do a search for Around the World in 80s Movies on whatever podcast site that you're listening to this one on. Until next time thank you everyone for listening and I hope that you enjoy your time anytime you get to go to the movies.